The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So, quote, so far as we are mere bundles of habit, we are imitators and copiers of our past selves. It follows, first of all, that the teacher's prime concern should be to ingrain into the pupil that assortment of habits that shall be most useful to them throughout life. Education is for behavior, and habits are the stuff of which behavior consists. The great thing in all education is to make our nervous system our ally instead of our enemy. It's William James. So yesterday um, we um, explored helplessness and power. Opening, opening the heart to helplessness illuminates our power. And today, another pair, renunciation and passion. So the fantasy of uh, something for nothing runs deep in my mind, you know, like sometimes I'll notice, I'll just randomly look down at the sidewalk to see if someone dropped money there, you know, like the thrill of something for nothing runs deep. But mindfulness is not something for nothing. It is a path of uh, relinquishment. And we don't exactly get to have the Dharma and have our life. We don't exactly get to have the Dharma and our life. But I want my life, I want my dreams and my stories and my pleasures and my routines, my habits. And I want the Dharma. But um, I don't know. I don't think we can have it all. That might be kind of American fantasy of Buddhism. Zajin Amaro on uh, renunciation. Uh, The fact that the Buddha was a monk gets lost. Of course, people are free to practice as they want. Nonetheless, many Western Dharma centers seem to marginalize what to the rest of the Buddhist world is central and historically vital to the whole process of Dharma practice and enlightenment. It's like opening up the chest, detaching all the veins and arteries, carefully removing the heart and maintaining the body on a life support system. One can't help wonder, is this thing really alive? Is this going to carry on? Obviously, my perspective is slanted. I'm a card-carrying monk. 
but in wedging Dharma teachings into a comfortable life, one may be missing something that's crucial to the Dharma. I would suggest that people look closely at that. Is the Dharma something that I tack onto my life or is it something that I offer myself up to? I've always loved that phrase. Um, is the Dharma something we, we tack on or offer ourselves up to? We um, fear impoverishment in letting go. Um, but as we let go, as we let go, the, the hole in the center of our being gets smaller. Yeah. The hole in the center of our being gets smaller. We need less to fill it up. In other words, as we relinquish, as we let go, this actually frees us up. And we know that we can let go. We know we can let go. And so we're not afraid or less afraid of not having what we like. I think um, we, uh, Vipassana practitioners, um, are perhaps a little too vigilant about pleasure you know it's like um at the slightest sign of pleasure we say to ourselves kind of like oh my goodness like don't get attached don't get attached yeah and so there's a certain kind of almost defensiveness against pleasure in our practice in our lives As we train, we know we can let go and we're less afraid about uh, holding on. We know we can just let go again. An attachment in the end is not, uh, is not a sin. It's just dukkha. Yeah. I remember um, a friend, uh, uh, a kind of wild, brilliant, Dharma friend, um, emphasis on wild, you know, saying uh, that the meditative path is um, parasympathetically biased, yeah. biased towards the, the tranquilizing side. But this path is um, enlivens and brightens us rather than flattens us. And all this letting go, this renunciation uh, frees us up to enjoy pleasure and goodness more completely. um, It frees us up to enjoy pleasure more completely. And so sometimes we we make the distinction between Craving and desire, tanha, chanda. Um, and tanha, that craving, is that kind of bottomless thirst, the fever dream of longing that's never actually satisfied. Yeah, 
And so sometimes I say like craving is our frenemy. Yeah. As the kids say, craving is our frenemy. But what distinguishes desire from craving is that desire can actually be satisfied. In desire, in longing, we're actually not asking too much of pleasure. We're asking just right. Now, this path is a path of dismantling craving. But as we do that, as we work to dismantle tanha, sometimes chanda gets squashed too. And as we... uh, as we let go, some of the drivenness, the desperation around pleasure is gone. And so we can actually enjoy. We can actually enjoy. And I talk about um, um, equanimity with unpleasantness a lot. Yeah, it is a, it, this is a path of purification and it reveres the wholesome unpleasant, the wholesome unpleasant has a kind of reverential place on this path. But what does equanimity with pleasure look like? We're being asked to have equanimity with that too. And I would say equanimity with pleasure looks like a very uncomplicated, intense, delight and satisfaction. It looks like uh, enjoyment without compulsivity. And um, do we still prefer pleasure over pain? Of course, but um, our heart is more flexible, less dependent, less reliant on budgeting pleasure in the usual ways we do. And even even egoic pleasure, yeah? Uh, we're not defended against that either. We feel that. That feels better than insults, yeah? Or, yeah, we, we're not defended against it, nor are we entangled in it. You know, a big part of Dharma is um, about um, de shaming suffering, pain. We were so moralistic anytime we feel feel pain or kind of run into the first noble truth. We are moralistic about it. We uh, make it mean something about our being. And so a lot of Dharma practice is about de-shaming pain, but it's also about de-shaming pleasure. And that's a tender zone for exploration because we are exposed in our desire. We are exposed in our pleasure, in our dependence and our need and our longing. We're less self-contained and more uh, 
there's a vulnerability in that too. We're, we're doing this consciously. And um, we start to, to free ourselves up, to loosen up. We become alive in our pleasure. We ask our pleasure only to do what it can do and not more. And so this gesture of relinquishment, of renunciation, of simplicity actually frees us up in some deep ways to, um, to enjoy, to enjoy deeply. And when pleasure comes, pleasure comes. It is satiating. It supports us. It provides a kind of, um, yeah, sort of resource from which uh, we can draw when our next task is to have equanimity with um, the inevitable difficulties of a human life. So relinquishment frees us up to enjoy. Offer this uh, for your consideration and um, pick up what's useful, leave the rest behind. <laughs> 